0: frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown american drink go to grown Superfood.com forward slash john and order today getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking what's your secret begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only 14.95 so michael jackson can name his son prince michael jackson but he can't actually make his son a royal prince and that's why i'm an absolute monster for this innocuous hypothetical that attacks children let's begin Welcome to Sanity Cast, your guide to staying sane when the country has gone completely batshit. What do you do when the Christians elect Caligula? Let's discuss. I'm John Fuglesang. I'm a comedian. I'm an actor. I do a terrific show on Sirius XM Progress. Our guests this week alone included Robbie Robertson, Kathleen Turner, and Jennifer Beals. And um, this is a very special episode. We're calling this What to Impeach When You're Impeaching. Because there's a debate that is growing, and it will only continue to grow, over what what the proper course of action in terms of articles of impeachment might be. How many articles of impeachment would a responsible Democratic Party throw at this president? I'm on the side of impeach him for everything and roll out a new one every week. But I wanted to talk about what each individual committee is doing with a very special guest, Professor Corey Bretschneider. Now, he is a professor of political science at Brown University. You've probably seen him on MSNBC, CNN, read his stuff in The Guardian or The New York Times. His excellent book is called The Oath and the Office, uh, a guide for future presidents. And I cannot recommend it enough for the news nerd in your life or anyone who cares about this country and wants to really understand the Constitution. Professor Bretschneider is a regular on our XM show and it's always great uh, to talk to him. So we were able to coerce him to come on down to Leap Year studios in Greenwich Village and have a little chat. Um, and really, it's all about this administration. I think we've now learned the Trump doctrine is squirrel. That is to deflect anything you can do to distract and try to make people look elsewhere. And that's the hallmark of what the fuck fatigue. And we are in the golden age of what the fuck fatigue, friends, when our outrage circuits are burned out. We're at a time when Donald Trump has now self-tanned himself into a color spectrum that has never existed in any part of North America during any winter. We're in a time when Nikki Haley can literally say the Confederate flag was about service and sacrifice and heritage until Dylan Roof, quote hijacked it um that's how you apply for mike pence's job the confederate flag was about service and sacrifice to a heritage of owning raping torturing buying and selling and working enslaved human beings to death while taking up arms against the united states and then dylan roof had to go and make it all look bad can i just say nikki haley proves The problem with this country is not the Confederacy of Dunces, it's the Dunces of the Confederacy. And we're in a time when one in five American children are now on food stamps, which is why the Trump administration is going to cut food stamps to reduce their dependency on food. This is a time when George Zimmerman realized, oh, my God, the year is about to end and I might not even be of the top three most horrible people in America. Think about it. There's Barr. There's Epstein. So George Zimmerman, who is a hero to everybody who has ever wished they could legally murder the person who's kicking their ass in a fight. You started decided to sue Trayvon Martin's family for one hundred million dollars this week, because after disobeying. Neighborhood Watch Guidelines, after deliberately disregarding an order from 911 dispatch to not follow this child. And he was, in the eyes of the law, a child, no matter how many hoodies he owned. Uh, after Dylan Roof decided to sell the gun to the highest bidding white supremacist, app, I said Dylan Roof. I'm confusing my genocidal racist. I'm so sorry. Um, after George Zimmerman sold the gun to the highest bidding white supremacist, after George Zimmerman literally, literally tried to make a business on a website selling paintings of confederate flags yeah there you go. Uh, so let's get down to it. Okay, um, it's it's a tough time, especially when your grand incompetent wizard is ordering his underlings to ignore subpoenas. Um, we're going to go deep with Corey Brechneider on many aspects of the impeachment and what we might be looking at, looking to the past, looking to the future, and figuring out what's happening right now. Because it's not just Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler. Lots of comed- committees been working. But keep a couple things in mind before this interview. Donald Trump never once asked about any systemic corruption or any specific piece of corruption in all of Ukraine. He only asked about the Biden family. They, uh, they don't make the case, these Republicans, that Trump ever cared about corruption. He never actually wanted an investigation of corruption. He only wanted an announcement so they could point to it like Benghazi. Of course, the Republicans don't mind any of this because crimes that don't bother them don't bother them so i cannot recommend this conversation enough it's going to be a two-parter we now present part one of what to impeach when you're impeaching with professor Corey bretschneider all right they asked me to to, to share my experience with um, i puffiness under the eyes and and it's 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 tragic because i'm, I'm gonna be honest with you I, I i don't have eye bags i have like mario cuomo level saddle bags like i have luggage like the bags under my eyes are so big they, they get cable and and you know you've heard about remedies over the years uh from hemorrhoid cream uh i did it wrong too i won't explain but they're not letting me back um, in CBS ever again, uh, tea bags, cucumbers, and you know, they don't really work. Well, that's why I was excited to learn about plexiderm, uh, cause plexiderm, you know, it works, but not taking days or weeks. It's a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates under eye bags and wrinkles from view in like minutes. Okay. The science behind plexiderm is incredible. There are clinical studies to back it up. And if you find yourself looking older and tired because of crow's feet or wrinkles or under eye bags, you can look younger, ingest minutes with Plexiderm. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a disembodied voice. See for yourself. Watch a real video with real people and see how fast crow's feet and wrinkles and under-eye bags disappear. The results are backed up by Plexiderm's 30-day satisfaction guarantee, which means a lot to me. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use the coupon code SEXYLIBERAL for a discount. That's tryplexiderm.com. Use the code SEXYLIBERAL or call one 800 685-1292 and mention sexy liberal. Check it out. Try plexiderm. See what it does for your under eye bags. And again, if you're not satisfied, they do have a 30 day guarantee. What have you got to lose besides looking like Mario Cuomo and me? Professor Corey Bretschneider, welcome to Leap Year Studios, downtown Manhattan. <laughs> thank you. Pleasure to be here. It's great to see you. Thank you. We Thanks were, for having me. Uh, thank you. So I've wanted to do this for a long time with you, and I can't think of a better time to actually drag you onto the podcast than... B- b- peak early stage impeachment and at the time of this recording we're, we're doing this um, this little episode of uh, what to impeach when you're impeaching uh, this is just a couple days after the constitutional scholars have testified before right. uh, the committee and you knew a number of the scholars who were speaking this week.
1: Uh, I, I Through Facebook I'd say acquaintances <laughs> uh, Pam Carlin I um, have admired for a long time. I actually tried to get into her class at Stanford and it was so oversubscribed that she apologized and said I couldn't be in it, so I was very happy to sit in her nationwide uh, uh, class uh, for all of us on the Constitution, and I thought she was really terrific. I, without uh, thinking uh, too much about it, I, I was so excited. I, I posted uh, Pam Carlin for president 2020, and you know, but but can you ever speak to her again after she abused the president's youngest child, Barron? That's yeah. the question. <laughs> that was an amazing moment. You know, I thought she handled it well. The right thing to do was. To shut it down, by apologizing, but the idea that she was somehow mocking him by saying that Donald Trump's and it was a fundamentally important point. Uh, Donald Trump's power is not unlimited. He could not make his son Baron a Baron. I don't think that was a slam of no, uh, the I think young Baron. At
0: worst, she's guilty of uh, poor punmanship. Right? right yeah. It's just a, a bad pun. I guess yeah. is all. She...
1: <laughs> I kind of liked it actually. I, I do too. <laughs>
0: you know, Michael Jackson can name his son Prince yeah. Michael Jackson, but he can't make his son a prince. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. What a monster I am for saying that! I guess she could have. She could have used other examples. She can't make. He can't make uh, Ivanka a princess. He can't make <laughs> Don Jr. a mafia Don. I don't know. I mean,
0: it, it just seems like in this in this time when the doctrine of squirrel, when it's all deflection. Um, it, It seems like it's extra frustrating for academics, for constitutional scholars in this time when dumb and ignorant is really making a play to be taken seriously as learned and
1: accurate. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, to me, one of the most important moments of the whole thing, and it's gotten a lot of coverage, was when she clapped back at the ranking member for saying, well, you probably were in your classroom and couldn't be following the transcript and suggested that she somehow hadn't prepared by even reading what had happened or watching it. And uh, when she forcefully said, you know, I'm offended by that. That's my job, basically, as a law professor is to know the facts and to get into the details. I thought, you know, it was, a symb- symbolic moment because it was saying uh, facts matter and I think that facts matter and just because you and Jim Jordan and whoever else is in your party right now uh, think that facts are a joke and that you can manipulate them and lie and that you don't have to prepare and you don't have to give reason to arguments you can just yell and mock uh, that was really an important confrontation off the bat and you you and I were talking on your uh, serious radio show uh, I guess the night before yes. the hearings and we had a- Caller and an exchange where the caller was saying they're going to be weak, they're going to be uh, lame, they're going to be boring. And when she did that, I felt instantly vindicated. I, I really would like to call that person back, I have their, his phone number. <laughs> I know. I, I kept hearing, oh, they were
0: not very interesting hearings. I'm like, these are the people who thought The Irishman was boring. I mean, like, like these <laughs> people <laughs> thought Raging Bull was boring. Yeah. Um, no, I found it quite gripping, and it does seem like every time we do one of these impeachments, you have to have this little recap. Episode episode. And it seemed like the Scholars Day was the recap episode of what this is, what we're doing. For those of you who don't remember 20 years ago, um, these are the terms. Right. And Jonathan Turley, of course, who I wouldn't describe as a raging right winger, but wow, that was the role he was uncomfortably cast in.
1: Uh, It was bizarre, too. I mean, the best the Republicans could do was to bring a witness out that said, uh, essentially, we don't have enough evidence yet, although there might be evidence that uh, this president is guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors. We don't have it yet. That's their rousing. Not on my record. That was all he could say. Uh, Not on
0: my record. Can you impeach him? But yet Turley said Trump should be investigated further. He said Trump's conduct was obnoxious, that Democrats should keep subpoenaing more officials. Yeah. And he said that uh, he admitted that Trump blocked witnesses and blocked documents. And that's the best witness
1: they could get. And I think that's right. And it's telling of how weak their case is. And the other thing I, to me that was telling about the testimony is on the one hand, Pam Carlin rightly clapped back and said, you know, how dare you suggest I didn't prepare. And then she showed it throughout the day that she had prepared. And what she gave was really a closing argument, taking the ideas and the abstract and tying them together with the facts that we saw from the Intelligence Committee he was a totally different story to say the least I thought it was disappointing and I didn't know if he actually had watched the hearings because when he suggested there was no evidence my thought was did you not see David Holmes did you not see Ambassador Sondland did you not see Fiona Hill who who corroborated thing after thing after thing it made it so clear that of course there was this back channel That's and there was this some legal point, trade.
0: It, it's got to be so frustrating for learned intelligent people People like yourself who deal in facts and what the Constitution says to be placed in an arena where the media landscape has decided that the guy who's lying and says there is no evidence,
1: right. despite the evidence,
0: is given equal weight.
1: Right. Yes. And that's sort of. Um, yeah. Because he's not trying
0: to convince anyone on the other side that there is no evidence. He's trying to get a soundbite that Fox News, AM Radio, and Sinclair Media can air on their evening news now, I, I re- showing the angry Republicans <laughs> saying there is no evidence and that's the clip that 60-odd
1: million Americans will g- walk away with. Absolutely, and that's the difference between the Watergate hearings and what just happened that there are two media environments and you saw a different show if you watch Fox and how upsetting, I mean, I, I do wonder what he was doing there. You know, I, it was bizarre to me that he would let himself be used that way. The rank? Oh, uh, which I'm uh, sorry. Turley, I'm Turley, sorry. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, he thought that this is potentially impeachable. His only point was that we need to go a little slower. We need more evidence. But then why would you put yourself out there in a way that you know that what you're saying is going to be abused into suggesting that somehow it's a full defense of the president. So I thought his performance was weak. I thought that they were Noah Feldman and um, uh, Gerhardt and um, uh, Pam Carlin. Really, you know, it was a closing argument and it wasn't just wonky. It was uh, a tying together of these seemingly abstract issues that I thought they explained well, uh, with the overwhelming evidence that we have a constitutional duty uh, to, to do it this right now. I think as the um, professor from UNC said quite well, if this isn't impeachable, then nothing is. I
0: did a couple of shows this morning, and you're busy all the time. I'm seeing you nonstop on radio and TV. <laughs> but I keep getting asked the question of, um, you know, will this blow up in their faces? Will this blow up in their faces? And I've come to believe that the most derelict thing the Democrats could do would be to abdicate their responsibility to provide oversight over the executive branch because they're afraid it's going to hurt them in an election. I mean, I think history's watching and for me, the most important dynamic at play here is that future generations will know that we did fight this. I want future generations to know that 100 million Americans oppose the Iraq War, you know, and it's very important that we have as spirited an impeachment process as possible just to have on the record that when history is written and all the facts come out and everyone who is keeping secrets for Trump is stopped and Trump is dead and ever everything's <laughs> out there like people need to know that most of america wasn't right with this and also and also that that you know look at the midterms last year i mean americans want oversight that's why they went to the polls in 2018 but let me ask you about this because um i i found the hearings all fascinating but the latest counter narrative we're going to get i think is um in the case of Bill Clinton it was very clear maybe you don't think it was serious but he did lie under oath he did commit perjury so we were forced to impeach him in this case it's all subjective maybe but donald trump just meant do us a favor meaning do america a favor obviously this is rubbish but how effective do you think that line will be cuz it seems to be the latest defense
1: the entire Republican Party and media establishment are landing on. I mean, the more they pivot towards talking about why it was justifiable to impeach Bill Clinton, uh, the harder they make it for themselves. Because even if I think that reasonable people disagree about that, given that he did perjure himself, but if you think that was impeachable, this is so much worse. And this is really the paradigm of what the framers were talking about. When they say high crimes and misdemeanors, they're not just talking, they're not talking about crime crimes. They're talking about abuses of power that threaten the polity, the stability of democracy itself, the stability of the Republic. And that's what this is. Now, you're right, too, that people were saying and are still saying this could backfire on the Democrats when it comes to the election. And I love your response. We've got to think not just about the immediate future, but about how we look in history. And that's what doing the right thing is. It's a, as the subtitle of my book suggests, quoting a Republican member during the Nixon impeachment. This impeachment has got to be a guide to the Constitution for future presidents. That's what we're aiming for. And I also will add that it's uncertain that it's going to backfire. We don't know that. And in fact, I think it's going to play well for the Democrats as it did during the midterms. And you see the evidence for that is that the polls are not static. And as we get deeper into this impeachment, they've gone up to where now 58% of the American public support this impeachment Mm -hmm. inquiry. And uh, it's a slightly different question. But when Nixon resigned, 58% supported uh him leaving office eventually so, in the beginning it was 19% and it was not in the beginning it was 19% when exactly as the when the watergate hearing started and so that trajectory is similar and i think what we're going to see is uh you know uh, the president not do well in the next election this doesn't doesn't play well for him despite what people are saying and the final thing is given the uncertainty we've got to do the right thing and there is a fundamental obligation to try to stop him and if we don't stop him now he'll keep doing this over and over. We didn't stop him after the Mueller report. We didn't impeach. And look at what he immediately did. He the next day, the, literally the, the next day. I mean, unbelievable. He basically took it as a vindication, and then went and threatened the head of a foreign government that if you don't uh, aid me in my quest to trash my political opponent Joe, Joe Biden, I'm going to withhold huge amounts of aid. That's I mean, right. That's outrageous.
0: Yeah, I've been saying if it wasn't for a, a shaky Mueller on the 24th, he wouldn't have a cocky Trump on the 25th. Oh,
1: that's a great line. Wow. Okay, I'm going to quote that. <laughs> more than welcome to.
0: But you know, it's true. When we look back to what happened under Bill Clinton, that was an unpopular impeachment and the GOP knew it was a bad deal. Arnold Schwarzenegger said he was embarrassed to be a Republican and they lost. Bill Clinton uh, was not removed from office and we all said, oh, there you go, Republicans. You went for your big shot. Eggs on your face. And 18 months later, the Republicans controlled the White House, the House, and the Senate anyway. So even if impeachment blows up and fails... Temporary. It's very temporary and... Not only can it do damage But the way the president responds to it Does further damage And Bill Clinton I mean they responded to it By not having Bill Clinton and Al Gore campaign together For Al Gore Like literally impeachment did have an effect Al Gore picked the most right wing Unlikable Democrat in the entire Senate To be his running mate Thinking he had to respond to that And I think that The harder they go on this president, the more mistakes he's going to make. His will just be much more public and much more hilarious. (laughs) Let me ask you about the framers Um, for the they were very few threats, more serious to them than a president who was corruptly tied to overseas forces. That really was their biggest concern. And much has been made to the fact that Benjamin Franklin was really an advocate of impeachment because the alternative was assassination. This is the first impeachment inquiry ever of a president in this country that does put focus on the scope and limits of a commander in chief's interactions with other countries. That was the intention of the framers. And yet Johnson, Nixon, Clinton didn't come close to it. Given that this man's entire presidency is just overshadowed by questions about his foreign ties. um, Why should we be paying more attention to that than, say, the obstruction charges in the Mueller report, which may still be brought up as articles.
1: I think they matter and we can talk about them, but absolutely the first article of impeachment has to deal with the paradigmatic case of a threat to the entire country and to the framers. And I don't think this was was a mistake. They were worried that if you start to use foreign governments to play domestic politics, that that's the most dangerous thing that you can do. And they were worried in particular about in the structure of the presidency, a president who wouldn't serve the common good, but would serve their own self-interest. So one example was, uh, kings who were engaged in foreign relations in order to enhance mm-hmm. their own private wealth. And so they put into the Constitution, and Washington thinks it's so important, he talks about it in the first inaugural, this foreign emoluments clause that says you can't profit from your interactions with foreign governments personally. Right. And uh, to me, that's not just a by-the-way clause. Like, yes, we've talked about it has a bad brand name. We need to come up with a new name like the uh, not-for-profit clause or something oh, em- like Yeah,
0: I agree. Yeah, <laughs> But Yeah, emoluments is That's what Trump calls the moisturizer the girl puts on you before the spray tan hits.
1: (laughs) I love it. We should market that. Mm. Um, uh, 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 But you know, to them, that was the core of the idea of the presidency, that it's not for profit. And when you combine that with a foreign threat, and I think that's what they thought the, the hugest danger was. They also, by the way, put in this, I don't agree with it, but the natural born citizen clause. Right. The idea was that you don't want somebody who is even vulnerable to being in the control of a foreign power because then they'll serve those interests rather than our own. Now, it turns out that even though throughout m- much of American history, a lot of scholars have debated were they paranoid or not. Well, this is it. This guy Trump is exactly what they feared. And there's one mechanism to deal with it, and that's impeachment removal. I've that's why it's so important to use it right now.
0: I've said for a long time that, you know, they could have impeached him one minute into his inaugural address for violating the emoluments clause. Yeah. Am I unreasonable in that? I mean, the very fact that he did not divest of his of his holdings when Jimmy Carter had to get rid of a peanut farm, um, he, he
1: was guilty of violating the emoluments clause right away. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, the way that I, the, at this moment in history, the way, I just um, gave an interview to Political mac Politico magazine that just came out, where what I'm advocating is that we do these uh, three articles of impeachment by Christmas, as I think will happen, one on Ukraine, one on obstruction of justice, and the other about the subpoenas, the obstruction of Congress. And then we keep the inquiry open in order to have future possible articles of impeachment. And in particular, what I'm emphasizing in that interview is the importance of uh, article of impeachment specifically about the emoluments clause. Yes. There are these cases that are pending, trying to stop him through the courts. I'm not optimistic about the Supreme Court stopping him. I think that's very unlikely. But the mechanism that's there to deal with it is impeachment. And George Washington, he cared about two things. One was emoluments. That's the first inaugural. And the second inaugural is 135 words. And he says, look, I just took the oath. If I violate it, subject me to constitutional punishment. And he's talking there also about the emoluments clause. So we got to live up to that ideal by uh, keeping the inquiry open and uh, having uh, uh, I think eventually an article of impeachment about emoluments regardless of what happens in this phase of uh, the impeachment and the
0: trial. This to me is is what it's all about. I do think, uh, maybe I'm more optimistic than you about the Supreme Court, I kind of feel that Chief Justice Roberts mm. and to a lesser extent Gorsuch have an eye on their place in the history books. Yeah, um, true. Kavanaugh I don't think wants to make anybody mad. He doesn't want his <laughs> Country club debt. He doesn't to want to back. be impeached. I think that's his motivation at this point. Yeah, um, himself, anyway. I, and that's something that. Well, <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh getting impeached—that's like porn for <laughs> moral people. <laughs> um, you know, the, the what they're looking at right now is obviously the Ukraine case, but it, this is what's most important to me, that there are multiple articles. And I've often said I'd love to see more articles of impeachment come out and be rolled out every couple of weeks just like every couple of weeks we used to see a new Obamacare repeal vote. They always knew the Obamacare repeal bills would never work, but they were a way of continually rallying the base and keeping people inspired. There are so many other panels in Congress, and I'd like to go through them with you if I can, that are still investigating whether the reality show clown has obstructed justice, abused the power, profited unconstitutionally from businesses, and violated campaign finance laws. So it's five House committees, intelligence, foreign affairs, oversight, uh, ways and means, and financial services. My understanding is these committees all have their hearings, and all of their individual findings are funneled into the sixth, the House Judiciary Committee, which we got to watch this week. Jerry Nadler is the bomb. And they (laughs) will be the ones who ultimately decide if there's enough evidence to charge the guy with one or more articles. Um, So... Intelligence, we've heard a lot. That's Adam Schiff. Right. He's a good guy. Um, you ever made him before? Never. He no. came on stage at one of our shows. No? He's, nice. He actually said, what the fuck fatigue on stage? Yeah. I'm always going to be honored <laughs> by this. Um, obviously, he has said these various de- covering up the demands and the stonewalling could be articles of impeachment. And that's very interesting. Obstruction of Congress when we hear that phrase, what they're talking about is how the president will not allow individuals to testify, and he will not respond to subpoenas, and he will not give over documents. Right. Uh,
1: And Jonathan Turley uh, testified. I I was really wondering what he was going to say about this, because it's one of the three articles of impeachment in the Nixon case that the judiciary votes up is Nixon stonewalling, refusal to hand over documents. Now, what Trump is doing is way worse. I mean, Nixon never said, I have an absolute right to turn nothing over, or any of the blanket uh, claims that Trump is making, uh, but he, he did obstruct Congress and refused to turn over the tapes and other uh, other matters to, to, to Congress, and Congress responded by saying, you know what, we have to defend ourselves. We have to defend our own institution, and they did that through a third article of impeachment. Now, Turley criticized that because he said, well, you have to wait for courts, uh, that's too aggressive, mm-hmm. and to me, how is Congress supposed to do its job if the courts are taking as they are forever and Roberts you know although I am somewhat optimistic on this one it is just they're going so slowly they could take this case tomorrow on an emergency cert petition but they're, they're not So what's Congress supposed to do? And the other thing, going back to Professor Turley, is he claims that we need more information, that there has to be a deeper investigation. How do you do the investigation if there's stonewalling? And so I think Congress has no choice this time as well but to do what they did during Watergate and have an article of impeachment about obstruction of Congress. Uh, You know, I have this theory that
0: maybe Kamala Harris dropped out because, A, fundraising, but, B, she really wants to be there every day of an impeachment trial to ask questions. Watching her grill.
1: When uh, he he wrote a sarcastic tweet saying, sorry to see you go. And she said, I'll see you at your trial. <laughs> let me
0: tell you, after watching her grill bar, um, it makes me sad I'll never get to see her debate Trump. Right. Although maybe we will. Right. Um, let me ask you about oversight and foreign affairs committee. Sure. This one has focused their investigation on whether Trump obstructed justice by trying to kneecap. The Mueller inquiry and this is something Democrats some Democrats say they still Want to play a role in the impeachment Effort Um, you know You can't really ignore ten Examples of obstruction (laughs) and That is concrete I mean he, he Told the White House counsel To fire Mueller Illegally. Don McGahn ignored it, just <laughs> right. blew off his boss, right. the president. Absolutely. And then when the investigation came around, Trump ordered White House counsel McGahn to lie and say he had never given the order to fire Mueller. I mean, are we just mullered out? Is there just Mueller fatigue? And that's why people aren't trying to use this gift he gave us. I mean, I know the Mueller investigation paid for itself. Thank you, Paul Manafort,
1: confiscated <laughs> the right. holdings. But we got what we paid for here. Right. Uh, yeah, I think the American people invested in Mueller, and he didn't do a great job of explaining to the American people what's in it. But if you read the report itself, it's very elegant. There are 10 clearly delineated instances of obstruction of justice. And so we've got the Ukraine impeachment article. We've got a second one that we were just discussing, impeachment of Congress, and the third third one absolutely should be uh, obstruction of justice, I would call it the third one, uh, which is outlined, you know, all that you need for for that article of impeachment is uh, I don't think you need more hearings. Just read part two of the Mueller report. That is the argument. And why didn't uh, Donald Trump get indicted criminally, and that was one thing I was pushing, was that uh, Mr. Mueller should disregard the Department of Justice policy, misguided policy, that says sitting presidents can't be subject to a criminal charge or an indictment, and should just do it. The special prosecutor is supposed to be independent of the Department of Justice. He should have done it. It was a mistake not to do it. But given that he didn't do it, there's an obligation, I think, not only to not be fatigued, but to use the only mechanism that's available, uh, as he called it, Somewhat abstractly an alternative constitutional process now he was asked when he testified What did you mean by an alternative constitutional process? And he was so irritatingly? Um, Quietus that he just said, oh, I'm not going to say it speaks for itself Well, there's only one alternative constitutional process and you know, it's obvious what it is Of course, it's impeachment and removal. They've got to do it. So that's the third What a
0: different kind of narcissism than Donald <laughs> Trump can I just say like there's a narcissism spec- and from Robert Mueller wanting to be a marble statue of impartiality.
1: That's good, too. I've got to write these down. right
0: like from, from him wanting to be a marble statue of impartiality to Donald Trump playing with his poo and throwing it at people. That's that's a pretty broad spectrum of NPD. Yeah. Um,
1: What a good description And we shouldn't let Mueller get off the hook You know Yes That's great You want to be impartial You want to not be partisan We saw that But don't Do it to such an extent That you won't answer I mean that is the one moment In the three years There are many moments But that's in my top 20 Of uh, You know I'll give you two things Mueller did
0: I'll I'll give you two things Mueller did that are more What the fuck than that Mr. Constitutional scholar Number one To use a technical phrase Uh, (laughs) uh, Mueller refused to read any parts of the transcript out loud yeah. in the I, hearings like we I've always said for months and months it won't work because Americans don't read we need pictures we need a picture of the man reading it and Mueller refused to recite any parts of his own report out loud in the hearings and number two To me, Mueller's most egregious failing, and it takes nothing away from the diligence, but uh, no, I'm sorry, three things. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't read. He never did anything regarding money. He -hmm. brought in investigators who specialized in money laundering and then did nothing with that information. And then third and most egregious, he never made the president testify President Reagan testified under oath on camera. President Clinton testified under oath on camera. Donald Trump got to just fax in a bunch of answers that he didn't write and probably never read.
1: Right, right. Um, Yeah, I think we should be critical of Mueller. Uh, This sort of ambition of impartiality really got in the way of the, and I want to stress this, of the job and the constitutional duty. It's not like he did a good job. The job, uh, look, there's a debate at the founding. Can you indict a sitting president? As you know, I think you can. And people like James Wilson, the delegate from Pennsylvania, said something very simple, which is a president's not above the law, of course, that he or she can be indicted while in office. Now, the other view, which is Mueller's the view, I should say, of the Department of Justice that Mueller thought bound by was Hamilton's. And Hamilton said, uh, look, we have an impeachment process first, a swift, hopefully, and then a removal of a criminal president. And then after that president is removed, that's when the criminal charge comes and the trial. Now, if you think that, if you're with Hamilton then you've got to explain to Congress what the crime is and you've got to make that process happen mm-hmm. you've got to say okay I can't do it myself but you've got to do it and you he should have been acting like a prosecutor explaining to Congress why even though the courts aren't the right venue for it uh, Congress is and not only did he fail to do that but he failed to tell us the meaning of alternative constitutional process what does uh, that mean uh, impeachment I mean he just wouldn't say that was the answer he wouldn't say that one word and it's clear that that's what it meant it wasn't enough for you that he said if we thought the president was not guilty we w- was exonerated we would say so you- I, even that I mean it's you know I mean he also did say in the very beginning of the report in in, in part two um, uh, the only he said actually basically the only reason we are not indicting is because of the Department of Justice memos that say a sitting president can't be indicted but that's convoluted enough not putting it that way I mean why not just say something simple which is the president should be indicted he's guilty of a criminal offense but we're just not allowed to do anything about it. That would have been much more straightforward. But because he phrased these things in this legalistic way, overly careful, it took people like me. And if you watched NBC, actually, they were getting it wrong. And it's only, I mean, it was a kind of incredible moment the moment the report came out. They were reporting, as Barr had told us in this lying press conference, that the memos played no dif- no no role in his decision to not charge the president criminally. And then it was only Neil Katyal who said, actually, I just read it. It says the opposite. And evidently, the same thing happened on ABC. We're on the spot. Thankfully, there were some people saying, contrary to the spin that was getting out there, no, this is all about these memos.
0: Thanks again to Professor Corey. Uh, You've got to hear the second half of it. The, the man is brilliant. And we'll air that on the next episode. Here's some heavy news. Life expectancy for young people. And by young people, you'll be happy to know I mean up to 64, ages 25 to 64. Life expectancy for people in that bracket has just fallen for the third year in a row. And that looks scary for many, many reasons. This is a study that was uh, just published in the American Medical Association, um, that uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Association. They looked at mortality data from like the last 60 years and they found that death rates of people from 25 to 34 jumped. You ready for this? 29% from 2010 to 2017. I'm going to say those numbers again because they're quite terrifying. The death rate of people 25 to 34 years old went up almost 30% between 2010 and 2017. It's mostly from suicide and drug overdose and obesity and liver disease. USA Today wrote, uh, in a trend that cuts across racial and ethnic boundaries, the U.S. has the worst midlife mortality rate among 17 high-income countries, despite leading the world in per capita spending on health care. Life expectancy in other industrialized nations continues to inch up, but it's going in the opposite way in America, decreasing from a peak of 78.9 years in 2014 down to 78.6 years in 2017. I know it's not a lot. It's only a few months, but the trend is the trend. That's why it's really, really important that we all pay attention to the platforms of every one of these candidates. And it's also really important to remember you've got to look at the positive and the beautiful things. Inspiration Nation is where we talk about things that will drag you off the ledge. And i got to tell you, there's so much in the news right now, I don't even have any films to recommend. I mean, look at what's going on right now. Anytime you want to show me things are bad, I'll show you 400 reasons why they're good. I'm not an optimist. I know how shitty it is. I'm a recovering cynic. And how... Can you be down When you see the former Playboy model Who had the affair with Trump Before he was president Announcing that she's going to Sue Fox News Over what Tucker Carlson said Karen McDougal I salute you. She said Tucker falsely accused her of extortion last year when he said on the air and said that she approached Donald Trump and threatened to ruin his career and humiliate his family if he doesn't give them money. So she's suing Fox News for harming her reputation. She doesn't name Tucker as the defendant. But watch this space. I really, really hope it leads to somehow Tucker making an apology. (laughs) I know it's funny. Um, Here's another one. There's a teacher in Utah who was talking to kids in the class, a substitute. And asked kids in the class before Thanksgiving to say what they were thankful for. And one of the kids was a foster child. And he stood up, fifth grader, 11 years old, and said he was thankful that he was finally about to be adopted by his two dads. And the substitute teacher said it was wrong for two men living together. And it was a sin. And that they should not be thankful for that. And the substitute teacher got fired. And that's in Utah, brothers and sisters. Utah fired a teacher for homophobic comments. It is getting better. And finally, you might have heard this story. There was this gentleman in L.A., L.A., gentleman in in England who was dying and he's in a hospice and Disney saw a tweet his family sent out and they sent um, a representative with a laptop to his hospice room so this man and his young son could watch Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker before the official release. This guy got to see it before our friend Mark Hamill who stars in the film. So, look, it doesn't get better than that. And you know what? Here's the deal. You've got me praising Disney. That's how beautiful that news is. And Karen McDougall as well. Um, I'll confess, I'm not really a fan of Playboy, but her suing Fox News kind of gets me aroused. I'm performing all over the place. I'll be headlining uh, with Frank Conniff in Suffern, New York, Saturday the 14th. Come on down to Rhino Comedy. That's going to be a lot of fun. Go to JohnFuglesang.com for details on that. Send us your emails, by the way, uh, at JohnFuglesang.com or your threats or your promises of glory. I am going to be doing a new group. A comedian's group The Magnificent Bastards It's myself with Alan Zweibel and Louis Black They're both famous and have Emmys and Tonys I don't But it's the three of us and our famous friends Doing sit-down comedy Uh, We did our first show last year in L.A. with Susie Espin It's a riot And the first show of our tour will begin on Valentine's Day At the Madison Theater in Rockville Center, New York Look forward to us coming all over the place And lots of other tour announcements coming right this way Please listen to all the great shows on the Stephanie Miller Podcast Network. I'm John Fuglesang. And remember, if you don't want your corrupt president held accountable, don't support a president who's so corrupt. America elects a brand new Congress by historic margins to hold your corrupt president accountable. All right. We'll see you next time. Remember, inner peace can save your life, but external fucking rage can be an adequate backup.
2: Let's face it, hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a match ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day and right now listeners to the sexy liberal podcast network can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address ZipRecruiter.com slash begin that's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-E-G-I-N ZipRecruiter.com slash begin ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.